Chapter Twenty Six, Part One of Ramona. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ramona by Helen Hunt Jackson. Chapter Twenty Six, Part One. The Capitan's house faced the east. Just as day broke and the light streamed in at the open door, Ramona's eyes unclosed. Felipe and Aunt Ri were both by her side. With a look of bewildered terror she gazed at them. "'Thar, thar, now. You just shut your eyes and go right off to sleep again, honey,' said Aunt Ri composedly, laying her hand on Ramona's eyelids and compelling them down. "'We are here, Felipe and me, and we are going to stay.' I allow you needn't be afeard of nothing. Go to sleep, honey. The eyelids quivered beneath Aunt Ree's fingers. Tears forced their way and rolled slowly down the cheeks. The lips trembled. The voice strove to speak, but it was only like the ghost of a whisper, the faint question that came. Felipe? Yes, dear, I am here too, breathed Felipe. Go to sleep. We will not leave you. And again Ramona sank away into the merciful sleep which was saving her life. "'The longer she can sleep, the better,' said Aunt Ree with a sigh, deep-drawn like a groan. "'I allow I dread to see her really come, too. Till be worse than the first. She'll have to live it all over again.' But Aunt Ree did not know what forces of fortitude had been gathering in Ramona's soul during these last bitter years out of her gentle constancy had been woven the heroic fibre of which martyrs are made this and her inextinguishable faith had made her strong as were those of old who had trial of cruel mocking wandering about being destitute afflicted tormented wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth when she waked the second time it was with a calm almost beatific smile that she gazed on felipe and whispered how did you find me dear felipe it was rather by the motions of her lips than by any sound that he knew the words she had not yet strength enough to make an audible sound when they laid her baby on her breast she smiled again and tried to embrace her but was too weak Pointing to the baby's eyes, she whispered, gazing earnestly at Felipe, Alessandro. A convulsion passed over her face as she spoke the words, and the tears flowed. Felipe could not speak. He glanced helplessly at Aunt Ree, who promptly responded, Now, honey, don't you talk. Tain't good for you. And Felipe and me, we're in a powerful hurry to get your strong and well and tote your out of this. Aunt Ree stopped. No substantive in her vocabulary answered her need at that moment. "'I allow you can go in a week, if nothing don't go again ye more'n I see now. But if you get to talkin', there's no tellin' when you'll get up. You just shut up, honey. We'll look after everything.' Feebly Ramona turned her grateful, inquiring eyes on Felipe. Her lips framed the words, "'With you?' "'Yes, dear, home with me,' said Felipe, clasping her hand in his. "'I have been searching for you all this time.' An anxious look came into the sweet face. 
Felipe knew what it meant, how often he had seen it in the olden time. He feared to shock her by the sudden mention of the Senora's death, yet that would harm her less than continued anxiety. "'I am alone, dear Ramona,' he whispered. "'There is no one now but you, my sister, to take care of me. My mother has been dead a year.' The eyes dilated, then filled with sympathetic tears. "'Dear Felipe,' she sighed, but her heart took courage. Felipe's phrase was like one inspired, another duty, another work, another loyalty waiting for Ramona, not only her child to live for, but to take care of Felipe. Ramona would not die. Youth, a mother's love, a sister's affection and duty on the side of life, the battle was won, and won quickly, too. To the simple Cahuilas it seemed like a miracle, and they looked on Aunt Ree's weather-beaten face with something akin to a superstitious reverence. They themselves were not ignorant of the value of the herb by means of which she had wrought the marvellous cure, but they had made repeated experiments with it upon Ramona without success. It must be that there had been some potent spell in Aunt Ree's handling. They would hardly believe her when, in answer to their persistent questioning, she reiterated the assertion that she had used nothing except the hot water and old man, which was her name for the wild wormwood, and which, when explained to them, impressed them greatly, as having, no doubt, some significance in connection with the results of her preparation of the leaves. Rumors about Felipe ran swiftly throughout the region, the presence in the Cahuila village of a rich Mexican gentleman who spent gold like water, and kept mounted men riding day and night after everything, anything he wanted for his sick sister, was an event which in the atmosphere of that lonely country loomed into colossal proportions. He had travelled all over California with four horses in search of her. He was only waiting till she was well to take her to his home in the south, and then he was going to arrest the man who had murdered her husband and have him hanged. Yes, hanged. Small doubt about that. Or, if the law cleared him, there was still the bullet. This rich signor would see him shot if rope were not to be had. Jim Farrar heard these tales and quaked in his guilty soul. The rope he had small fear of, for well he knew the temper of San Diego County juries and judges. But the bullet, that was another thing, and these Mexicans were like Indians in their vengeance. Time did not tire them, and their memories were long. Farrar cursed the day he had let his temper get the better of him on that lonely mountainside. How much the better nobody but he himself knew, nobody but he and Ramona, and even Ramona did not know the bitter whole. She knew that Alessandro had no knife, and had gone forward with no hostile intent, but she knew nothing beyond that. Only the murderer himself knew that the dialogue which he had reported to the judge and jury to justify his act was an entire fabrication of his own, and that instead of it had been spoken but four words by Alessandro, and those were, "'Senor, I will explain.' 
and that even after the first shot had pierced his lungs and the blood was choking in his throat, he had still run a step or two farther with his hand uplifted deprecatingly and made one more effort to speak before he fell to the ground dead. Callous as Farrar was, and clear as it was in his mind that killing an Indian was no harm, he had not liked to recall the pleading anguish in Alessandro's tone and in his face as he fell. He had not liked to recall this even before he heard of this rich Mexican brother-in-law who had appeared on the scene. And now he found the memory still more unpleasant. Fear is a wonderful goad to remorse. There was another thing, too, which to his great wonder had been apparently overlooked by everybody. At least nothing had been said about it, but the hearing of it on his case, if the case were brought up a second time, and minutely investigated, would be most unfortunate. And this was that the only clue he had to the fact of Alessandro's having taken his horse was that the poor half-crazed fellow had left his own well-known grey pony in the corral in place of the horse he took. A strange thing, surely, for a horse-thief to do. Cold sweat burst out on Farrar's forehead more than once as he realized how this, coupled with the well-known fact of Alessandro's liability to attacks of insanity, might be made to tell against him, if he should be brought to trial for the murder. He was as cowardly as he was cruel. Never yet were the two traits separate in human nature and after a few days of this torturing suspense and apprehension, he suddenly resolved to leave the country, if not forever, at least for a few years, till this brother-in-law should be out of the way. He lost no time in carrying out his resolution, and it was well he did not, for it was only three days after he had disappeared that Felipe walked into Judge Wells's office one morning, to make inquiries relative to the preliminary hearing which had been held there in the matter of the murder of the Indian Alessandro Assis by James Farrar. And when the judge, taking down his books, read to Felipe his notes of the case, and went on to say, If Farrar's testimony is true, Ramona's, the wife's, must be false, and, at any rate, her testimony would not be worth a straw with any jury, Felipe sprang to his feet and cried, "'She of whom you speak is my foster-sister, and by God, Senor, if I can find that man, I will shoot him as I would a dog, and I'll see then if a San Diego County jury will hang me for ridding the country of such a brute.' And Felipe would have been as good as his word. It was a wise thing Farrar had done in making his escape." When Aunt Ri heard that Farrar had fled the country, she pushed up her spectacles and looked reflectively at her informant. It was young Merrill. "'Fled the country, has he?' she said. "'Well, he can flee as many countries as he likes, and t'won't do him no good. I know you folks here don't seem to think killin' an injun's any murder, but I say tis, and you'll all get it brung home to you afore you die. If tain't brung one way, till be another.' "'You just mind what I say, and don't you forget it. "'Now this miserable murderer, this Farrar, that's lighted out of here, "'he's nothing more'n a skunk, but he's got the Lord after him now. "'It's just as well he's gone. "'I never did believe in hanging. I never could. "'It's just two men dead stead of one. 
I don't want to see no man hung, no matter what he's done, and I don't want to see no man shot down, nother, no matter what he's done. And this here Felipe, he's that high-strung, he'd a shot that for our any minute, quicker'n lightning, if he'd catched him, so it's better all around he's lit out. But I tell you now, he ain't made much by going. That injun he murdered'll follow him night and day till he dies, and long after. He'll wish he was dead afore he does die, I'll allow he will now. He'll be just like a man I knowed back in Tennessee. I want but a mite then, but I never forgot it. "'Tis a great country for gourds, East Tennessee is, where I was raised, "'and there was two houses, and a fence between em, "'and these gourds are running all over the fence, "'and one of the children picked one of them gourds, and they fit about it, "'and then the women took it up, their children's mothers, you know, "'and they got fightin' about it, "'and then at last the men took it up, and they fit, "'and Rowell, he got his butcher-knife, and he ground it up, "'and he picked a quarrel with Claiborne, and he cut him into pieces. "'They had him up for it, and somehow they cleared him. "'I don't see how they ever did, but they put toff and put toff, "'and at last they got him free, and he lived on there a spell, "'but he couldn't stand it. "'Peared like he never had no peace. "'And he came over to us and said he, "'Jake,' they always called Daddy Jake or Uncle Jake, "'Jake,' said he, "'I can't stand it livin' here.' "'Why,' says Daddy, "'the law of the country's cleared ye.' "'Yes,' says he, "'but the law of God hain't, "'and I've got Claiborne allers with me. "'There ain't any path so narrow, "'but he's a-walkin' in it by my side all day, "'and come night I sleep with him to one side "'and my wife to other, "'and I can't stand it.' "'Them's their very words I heard him say, "'and I wasn't anything but a mite, "'but I didn't forget it. "'Well, sir, he went west, way out here to Californy, "'and he couldn't stay thar, nother, "'and he come back home again, "'and I was bigger then, a gal grown, "'and Daddy says to him, I hearn him. "'Well, says he, did Claiborne foller yer? "'Yes,' says he, he follered me. "'I'll never get shed o' him in this world. "'He's allers close to me everywhere.' "'You see, twas just his conscience or whippin' him. "'That's all twas. "'T least that's all I think twas.' though there was those that said twas Claiborne's ghost. And that'll be the way it'll be with this miserable Farrar. He'll live to wish he'd let hisself be hanged or shot or every which way to get out o' his misery. Young Merrill listened with unwonted gravity to Aunt Ree's earnest words. They reached a depth in his nature which had been long untouched, a stratum, so to speak, which lay far beneath the surface. The character of the western frontiersman is often a singular accumulation of such strata. The training and beliefs of his earliest days, overlain by successions of unrelated and violent experiences, like geological deposits, underneath the exterior crust of the most hardened and ruffianly nature often remains, its forms not yet quite fossilized, a realm full of the devout customs, doctrines, religious influences which the boy knew and the man remembers. By sudden upheaval in some great catastrophe or struggle in his mature life, these all come again into the light. Assembly catechism definitions which he learned in his childhood and has not thought of since ring in his ears, 
and he is thrown into all manner of confusions and inconsistencies of feeling and speech by this clashing of the old and new man within him it was much in this way that aunt ree's words smote upon young merrill he was not many years removed from the sound of a preaching of the straightest new england calvinism the wild frontier life had drawn him in and under as in a whirlpool but he was a new englander yet at heart that's so aunt ree he exclaimed that's so i don't suppose a man that's committed murder'll ever have any peace in this world nor in the next another without he repents but you see this horse stealin business is different tain't murder to kill a horse thief any way you fix it everybody admits that a feller that's caught horse stealin had ought to be shot and he will be too i tell you in this country a look of impatient despair spread over aunt ree's face i hain't no patience left with yer she said er talkin about stealin horses as if horses was more'n human beings but lettin that all go this injun he was crazy yer all knowed it that farrar knowed it do you think if he'd a been stealin the horse he'd a left his own horse in the corral same as you might say leavin his care to say twas he done it and the horse are tied in plain sight in front of his house for anybody to see left his own horse so he did retorted merrill a poor miserable knock-kneed old pony that wa'n't worth twenty dollars and jim's horse was worth two hundred and cheap at that that ain't nother here nor there in what we are sayin persisted aunt ree i ain't speakin on it as a swap or horses what i say is he wa'n't tryin to cover it up that he took the horse we are some used to horse thieves in tennessee but i never heerd a one yit that left his name for a reference behind him to show which road he took and fastened the stolen critter to his front gate when he got em i allow me and you hadn't better say anything much more on the subject for i allow we are bound to quarrel if we do and nothing that merrill said could draw another word out of aunt ree in regard to alessandro's death but there was another subject on which she was tireless and her speech eloquent it was the kindness and goodness of the cahuilla people the last vestige of her prejudice against indians had melted and gone in the presence of their simple-hearted friendliness i'll never hear a word said again em never to my longest day she said the way the poor things had just stripped themselves to get things for ramoni beat all ever i see among white folks and i've been round more'n most and they wa'n't lookin for no pay nuther for they didn't know till felipe and me come that she had any folks anywhere and they'd a taken care on her till she died just the same the sick allerses took care on among em they said as long's any on em has got a thing left that's the way they are raised i allow white folks might take a lesson on em in that and in heaps of other things too oh i am done talkin again injuns now and don't you forget it but i know for all that twon't make any difference pears like there couldn't nobody believe anything in this world without seein it theirselves i was that way too i allow i hain't got no call to talk but i just wish the whole world could see what i've seen that's all it was a sad day in the village when ramona and her friends departed heartily as the kindly people rejoiced in her having found such a protector for herself and her child 
and deeply as they felt felipe's and aunt ree's goodwill and gratitude towards them they were yet conscious of a loss of a void the gulf between them and the rest of the world seemed defined anew their sense of isolation deepened their hopeless poverty emphasized ramona wife of alessandro had been as their sister one of them as such she would have had share in all their life had to offer but its utmost was nothing was but hardship and deprivation and she was being borne away from it like one rescued not so much from death as from a life worse than death the tears streamed down ramona's face as she bade them farewell she embraced again and again the young mother who had for so many days suckled her child even it was said depriving her own hardier babe that ramona's should not suffer sister you have given me my child she cried i can never thank you i will pray for you all my life she made no inquiries as to felipe's plans unquestioningly like a little child she resigned herself into his hands a greater power than hers was ordering her way felipe was its instrument no other voice spoke to guide her the same old simplicity of acceptance which had characterized her daily life in her girlhood and kept her serene and sunny then serene under trials sunny in her routine of little duties had kept her serene through all the afflictions and calm if not sunny under all the burdens of her later life and it did not desert her even now aunt ri gazed at her with a sentiment as near to veneration as her dry humorous practical nature was capable of feeling i allow i don't know but i should come to believin in saints too she said if i was to live long side o that gal pears like she was suthin more'n human beats me plumb out the way she takes her troubles there's some would say she hadn't no feelin but i allow she has more'n most folks i can see tain't that i allow i didn't never expect to think swell of prayin to pictures and strings or beads and such but if it's that keeps her up the way she's kept up i allow there's more in it and it's head credit for i ain't goin to say any more agin it nor agin injuns pears like i'm gettin heaps o new ideers inter my head these days i'll turn injun mebby afore i git through the farewell to aunt ri was hardest of all ramona clung to her as to a mother at times she felt that she would rather stay by her side than go home with felipe then she reproached herself for the thought as for a treason and ingratitude felipe saw the feeling and did not wonder at it dear girl he thought it is the nearest she has ever come to knowing what a mother's love is like and he lingered in san bernardino week after week on the pretense that ramona was not yet strong enough to bear the journey home when in reality his sole motive for staying was his reluctance to deprive her of aunt ri's wholesome and cheering companionship aunt ri was busily at work on a rag carpet for the indian agent's wife she had just begun it had woven only a few inches on that dreadful morning when the news of alessandro's death reached her it was of her favorite pattern the hit or miss pattern as she called it 
no set stripes or regular alternation of colors but ball after ball of the indiscriminately mixed tints woven back and forth on a warp of a single color the constant variety in it the unexpectedly harmonious blending of the colors gave her delight and afforded her a subject too of not unphilosophical reflection well she said it's called the hit or miss pattern but it's hit oftener and tis miss thar ain't any accountin for the way their breaths come sometimes pears like twas kinder magic when they are sewed together and i allow that's the way it's gwine to be with heaps of things in this life it's just a kind of hit or miss pattern we are all on us livin on tain't much use tryin to reckon how till all come out but the breaths do's fit heaps better n you'd think come to sew em tain't never no such colors as you thought twas goin to be but it's allers pretty allers never see a hit or miss pattern in my life yet that wa'n't pretty and there warn't nobody never fetched me rags and had em all planned out and just the way they wanted their warp and just how their stripes was to come and all that they warn't awful disappointed when they come to see it done it don't never looks they thought it would never i learned that lesson airly and i allers make em write out on a paper just the width of every stripe and each of their colors so's they can see it's what they ordered or else they'd allers say i hadn't wove it as i was told her i get ketched that way onct i allow anybody's a born fool gets ketched twice runnin the same way but for me i'll take their hit or miss pattern every time sir straight along when the carpet was done aunt re took the roll in her own independent arms and strode with it to the agent's house she had been biding the time when she could have this excuse for going there her mind was burdened with questions she wished to ask information she wished to give and she chose an hour when she knew she would find the agent himself at home i allow you heerd why i was behind time with this ere carpet she said i was up to san jacinto mounting where that injun was murdered we brung his widder and their baby down with us me and her brother he took her home to his house to live he's real well off yes the agent had heard this he had wondered why the widow did not come to see him he had expected to hear from her well i did hint to her that p'raps you could do something if she was to tell you all about it but she allowed there wa'n't any use in talkin the judge he said her witnessin wouldn't be worth nothin to no jury and that was what i was a-wantin to ask you if that was so yes that is what the lawyers here told me said the agent I was going to have the man arrested, but they said it would be folly to bring the case to trial. The woman's testimony would not be believed. You've got power to get a man punished for selling whiskey to injuns, I notice, broke in Aunt Ree, hain't you? I see your man and the marshal here arrestin' em putty lively last month. They said twas your doin. You was a gwine to prosecute every livin' son of hell. Them was thar words that sold whiskey to injuns that's so said the agent so i am i am determined to break up this vile business of selling whiskey to indians it is no use trying to do anything for them while they're made drunk in this way it's a sin and a shame that's so i allow to yer said aunt ree there ain't any gainsayin that 
but ef you've got power to git a man put in jail for sellin whisky to an injun and ain't got power to git him punished ef he goes and kills that injun seems to me thar's something curious about that that is just the trouble in my position here aunt ree he said i have no real power over my injuns as i ought to have what makes yer call em your injuns broke in aunt ree the agent colored aunt ree was a privileged character but her logical method of questioning was inconvenient i only mean that they are under my charge he said i don't mean that they belong to me in any way well i allow not retorted aunt ree any more'n i do they're earnin their livin such as it is if you can call it a livin i've been amongst em now the here last two weeks and i allow i've had my eyes open to some things what's that doctor or yearn him that they call the agency doctor what's he got to do to attend to the indians of this agency when they are sick replied the agent promptly well that's what i hearn that's what you said afore and that's why alessandro the injun that was murdered that's why he put his name down in your books though twin agin him awful to do it he was high-spirited and it allers took care of hisself but he'd been druv out of first one place and then another till he'd got clear down and poor and he just begged that doctor o' yourn to go and see his little gal and the doctor wouldn't and more'n that he laughed at him for askin and they set the little thing on the horse to bring her here and she died afore they'd come a mile with her and twas that on top of all the rest druv alessandro crazy he never had none of them wanderin spells till after that now i allow that weren't right of that doctor i wouldn't have no such doctors that round my agency if i was you perhaps you're never heard of that i told ramoni i didn't believe you knowed it or you'd have made him go no aunt ree said the agent i could not have done that he is only required to doctor such indians as come here i allow then there ain't any great use in having him at all said aunt ree pears like there ain't more'n a handful of injuns round here i expect he gets well paid and she paused for an answer none came the agent did not feel himself obliged to reveal to aunt ree what salary the government paid the san bernardino doctor for sending haphazard prescriptions to indians he never saw after a pause aunt ree resumed ef tain't any offence to yer i allowed i'd like to know just what tis you are here to do for these injuns i've got my feelin's considerable stirred up bein among em and knowin this here one that's been murdered have you got any power to give em anything food or such they are powerful poor most in em i have had a little fund for buying supplies for them in times of special suffering replied the agent a very little and the department has appropriated some money for wagons and ploughs not enough however to supply every village you see these indians are in the main self-supporting that's just it persisted aunt ree that's what i've been seein and that's why i want so bad to get at what tis the government means to have you do for em i allow if you ain't to feed em and if you can't put folks into jail for robbin and cheatin em not to say killin em ef yer can't do anything more and keep em from gettin whisky well i'm free to say aunt ree paused she did not wish to seem to reflect on the agent's usefulness 
and so concluded her sentence very differently from her first impulse. "'I'm free to say I shouldn't like to stand in your shoes.' "'You may very well say that, Aunt Ree,' laughed the agent complacently. "'It is the most troublesome agency in the whole list, and the least satisfactory.' "'Well, I allow it might be the least satisfying,' rejoined the indefatigable Aunt Ree. "'But I don't know where the trouble comes in. "'If so bees there's no more can be done than you was a-tellin'.' "'And she looked honestly puzzled. "'Look there, Aunt Ree,' he said triumphantly, "'pointing to a pile of books and papers. "'All those to be gone through, "'with a report to be made out every month, "'and a voucher to be sent for every lead-pencil I buy?' I tell you I work harder than ever I did in my life before, and for less pay. I allow you have had easy times afore, then, retorted Aunt Ree, good-naturedly satirical, if you are plumb tired doing that. And she took her leave, not a whit clearer in her mind as to the real nature and function of the Indian agency than she was in the beginning. End of chapter 26, part 1